Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 30th, 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make use of and full use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because there's well over a thousand audios for free download and you can definitely start to understand the system you've been born into and how your parents were born into it and your grandparents even. It's a very old system of a, a group of gangsters, basically, the, the richest men on the planet, who got together in the late 1800s and set up societies which merged in the beginning of the 20th century to form the Royal Institute of International Affairs with the mission to take over all the world's resources. And while they were at it, they would amalgamate all the countries together too. They funded the United Nations into existence and the precursor, the League of Nations. And they caused the wars. They brought the wars on. Uh, they were fomenting wars with Germany in the, as far back as late 1800s to get a world war going. They said only out of conflict will they get the desired results. And sure enough, you start to sign treaties. Oh, we need a world government. We're all killing each other. And bingo, they got what they wanted. So really, we live in a rigged system at every single level. They also have uh, all their central banks, the private banks across the planet now, and the banks are all under the Bank for International Settlements, exactly as their historian talked about, Carol Quigley. He said that's how it would be at the end. We're there right now. And, of course, the central banks, this is these privately owned monstrosities owned by the small cabal, really own the military-industrial complex. They've got every country under their thumb. Uh, basically, we're in a new form of slavery. That's where we're, we're in. It's a new form of slavery. So help yourself with the audios. Remember, too, all the sites listed at CuttingThroughTheMedias.com have transcripts for download in English. And if you go into Alan AlanWatchSentinel.e, you'll find the transcripts in other languages, too. Take your pick. Remember, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMedias.com because I don't get paid by advertisers and I don't bring advertisers on. And I depend upon you uh, to keep me going because you kind of like this stuff too. It's different and it often is more in depth uh, than other shows. So buy the books and discs, as I say. Remember from the US to Canada, you can use personal checks and international postal money orders. You can send cash or you can use PayPal. And straight donations are very, very welcome indeed across the world. Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal once again. But this world we're living in, as I say, it's a planned society, a planned world society, and they've been at it for a long, long time, and we are living through the part that they knew would come, which is a form of chaos, as, as they get all their, their, their big machinations from across the world sort of grinding together to bring in this global structure, including the bank crashes, which solidified the, the positions, actually. That's what they were for. The banks lost nothing, and if anything, they've got more power than ever before. The taxpayers got utterly raped and plundered uh, and uh, by their governments. And, um, and that tells you who own your governments, by the way. And they do, because, you see, the Council of Foreign Relations or Royal Institute of International Affairs, which are across the whole planet in every country, 
appoints prime ministers and presidents and have done for a hundred years. How do you like that one? And again, that came from their own historian, from their own archives. Carol Quigley. So, we live in a fake system, a very fake system, full of eugenicists, of course, at the top, because the class distinction has always been here. And when they put Darwin out in front, he simply verbalized what he'd been taught by his father and grandfathers, that this, the lesser breeds, those who hadn't evolved, uh, really would bring the, the ones who had evolved down, so they had to be eliminated. That has never, ever stopped that, that particular belief system. And it's taught in every school across the world, Darwinism, Darwinism, and basically goes into eugenics with this necessary depopulation of, well, the unfit, those who didn't make the great leap forward. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I am back, cutting through the matrix. A long time ago, various eugenicists talked about the society they would bring into being. And they also believed, being the dominant minorities, they called themselves up there, that um, they would have to take parents uh, or children away from their parents at birth at one point. Big debates from uh, the League of Nations went on uh, after World War I, right up to World War II. And uh, again, too, because of what happened in Germany during World War II when the Nazis copied the American system of sterilizing what they called the unfit. And then Ashley said that in Min Count, by the way, Hitler said that he's copying the American system with the sterilization programs. Uh, that then they went back undercover because it didn't sound too good about uh, all the plans that they had about taking children from parents and that kind of thing. So Bertrand Russell came out and said that we used to believe, we used to believe uh, that we'd have to take the children from the parents at birth and the state would rear them to give them the new values, the old values, you see, from the kind of lower classes uh, would contaminate the children so they'd behave, behave and have the same moral values as their parents which is an awful lot better than we've got today, believe you me. But anyway, uh, then eventually, of course, he said, no, he says, but through scientific uh, testing, we've found we can actually do scientific indoctrination in primary care, if we get them young enough, and then we can leave them, the children, with their parents, who will simply become the financiers and caretakers of the children. The state will give them their views, opinions, and their new morality. So they'd already tested out and found that it worked very, very well. But across the world, we've seen this massive, again, sponsored through the United Nations and all their different departments. Mind you, the United Nations is not, remember, an elected system. It's not, uh, it's always about democracy. They're not democratic. None of us voted them in to lord over us. They're basically the big hammer that the dominant elites put in themselves to, to dominate us. That's really what it's for, to bring in this new world order, as they call it. Anyway... As I say, it's big business, of course, taking children from parents. And uh, he's done, it's, it's rampant through Britain, it's rampant through the States. I don't know how bad it is in Canada. You don't see too much at the moment. I'm sure it's the same here too. And there's a lot of money to be made for those uh, who win the, the little uh, stage trials that they have to get children into care where they're really screwed up forever. Now, this article here says, uh, from a woman who works with uh, a doctor who works at the Family Assessment Centre in Swindon in England, 
He says, I, so she worked with this guy who decided if you're going to keep your child or not. He said, I never saw him observing parents with children. This is a guy who's, you know, who's deciding their fate. The woman who said she was forced to take babies from their mothers by the expert who played God. And it says, Keir Roberts worked for Dr. George Hibbert at the Family Assessment Center in Sweden. He set parents odd tasks like changing a car tire while caring for a child at the same time. She says, we had to put only bad things in our reports. We're only allowed to put bad things or negative things. Dr. Hibbert made more than £40,000 a week. The sleazy son of a you-know-what. Anyway, it says, anyone who works in child protection will tell you that one of the worst aspects of the job is having to take a youngster from its mother's arms, possibly forever. It's a heartbreaking enough, even when you are 100% sure the child being taken to care is, is the best thing for that child. But what if you are forcibly removing a child from a mother you believe to be a good and caring parent? Kira Roberts never imagined that she would find herself in such a position when she accepted a job with an eminent psychiatrist. Remember, the top eugenicists, by the way, were all psychiatrists at that time. Now they're mainly uh, neuroscientists and um, psychologists, uh, etc. Because they're all taught eugenics. Everything is taught eugenics, eugenics, eugenics. And it says, who specialized in helping local authorities identify dangerous or neglectful parents. Dr. George Hibbert was regarded as one of the country's leading experts on child abuse. Mind you, I mean, Dr. Ewan Cameron, who did the, did the, the MK Ultra experiments with LSD and uh, electroshock therapy, hundreds of doses per person, including lots of children, by the way, was promoted top at the United Nations for international child psychiatry. Hmm? Getting back to this story, uh, had lectured at Oxford and advised members of Parliament on the family court system. When Keir agreed to work for him, it was at one of his family assessment centres. He had them all over the place, places where families who had come to the attention of social service departments were referred. They were placed under round-the-clock observation while it was determined what should happen next. Now, now this is all over the, the UK, where they actually come into your home and live with you and photograph everything. It was a very intrusive setup, but Kira assumed that Dr. Hibbert, who was highly trusted and very well paid by a string of local authorities, knew what he was doing. Uh, and it says, in the wake of the baby pee scandal, she understood how important it was for any concerns about parental abuse to be acted on. But, but protecting children is one thing. Ripping families apart, apparently for little reason, is another. Yet this is what Kira claims Dr. Hibbert did, and on a scale that is staggering. Alarm bells first started ringing when she felt Dr. Hibbert wanted his staff to concentrate on recording only negative aspects of what they observed. And she became dismayed when parents were said bizarre and she felt unfair tasks to assess how they coped. She watched one young man struggle, this is the test they put you through, to vacuum the stairs while carrying a baby. Another was sent, obviously that's kind of dangerous to do that. Another was sent off to the supermarket with her child and told to grapple alone with a huge shop. Uh, with, with lots of people but her amusement at Dr. Hibbert's methods turned to horror when she realized that when parents failed to complete these tasks to his high or impossible as she puts it standards it counted against them and their children were being taken and what haunts her is that she was sometimes the one doing the forcible removal of the children the case that still keeps her awake at night involved a young mother called Anna 
a woman Kira had been observing for four weeks and considered a good mother. She had become from a difficult background, but there's no evidence that she was abusive or neglective towards her child. Kira was impressed with what a good job she did of caring for her baby, yet at five o'clock one morning when she was working at the assessment centre, Kira was confronted by a sobbing Anna. She was cradling her baby, rocking from side to side, weeping uncontrollably and begging for help. She was convinced she was going home without her baby because she thought she had failed. She was hysterical. She kept asking, do you think I'm a good mother? I did, but there was nothing I could do. Dr. Hibbert had made his decision. Five in the morning. Eventually, Kira was the one who had to take the baby from her arms. It's the worst thing I've ever had to do, she says. Well, she shouldn't have done it. But Anna wasn't an isolated case. Quite how routinely babies were removed from their parents as a result of Dr. Hibbert's practices is not yet known. But Dr. Kira was not the only one to fear that her boss was abusing his powers. As says, earlier this year, Dr. Hibbert offered to surrender his doctor's license when the General Medical Council launched an investigation over accusations that he deliberately misdiagnosed mothers as suffering from mental disorders to fit in with the view of social services. I'll read that part again. He was misdiagnosing mothers as suffering from mental disorders to fit in with the view of social services. Now, social services should not be involved in diagnosing anything at all. They're having their own particular views on things. The GMC refused to accept Dr. Hibbert's offer and is investigating his fitness to practice. Well, they should actually put a massive lawsuit in here on this character. That's what they should do. Massive, massive lawsuit, a joint lawsuit. Uh, and all the mothers and families who've been broken up because of this, this bar steward, you know. This is the first time a member of his staff came forward to talk about what uh, they say went on inside one of his assessment centres. Uh, Kira spent over a year working for Dr. Hibbert at Windmill House, Swindon. Her account, given on the condition we protect her identity, paints a horrifying picture of the lives of the parents he told the family courts were unfit to look after their children. It's enough, it's a bit of time actually we started throwing all these experts uh, down the chute somewhere. Because they're running our lives in every particular area. And of course, this is part of the New World Order. It is worldwide. And everything comes eventually through the United Nations to all these associations eventually have all this power. Remember what Lenin said? It says all these services will eventually become authorities. Anyway, it says... um, it says, between four and eight families would live at Windmill House at any one time with Kira and her colleagues watching them 24 hours a day, scrutinizing their every interaction with their babies. It's just like the Big Brother house, she said, but 100 times worse because they knew if they did something that was deemed wrong, they'd risk losing their child. Can you imagine being in that predicament? Even at night, Kira claims staff listened in to their parenting. In the case of couples, their intimate conversation using baby monitors. It's time they all went down the chute somewhere. I don't care really where they land. Maybe maybe on the street when they can get a real job. If they can get a real job. She says mothers were not even allowed to breastfeed in private. I always felt it was very intrusive, Kira says. When I was watching the parents in the same room, I'd slip sip water and do crosswords so they wouldn't feel too watched. Perhaps such an... You understand, this is what scientists do with animals in cages. And everyone is, is to blame here for letting these sort of agencies get so damn powerful, because no one cares what happens to them. Since perhaps such intrusion could have been justified had honest observations about the parents' interaction with their children been made, Keir says things started in a balanced way with staff being told to write in the margins of their copious notes a small G for good parenting, B for bad, or R for routine. 
But later she says, understood they should write down only the bad aspects of parenting they observed. Uh, Dr. Hibble said, uh, all I want, all I need you to do is highlight anything that's bad. We did not include any good parenting because the courts, the courts would take it as read. Staff were horrified, believing this was going to give a skewed view. Anyway, all the staff knew it was wrong, but they carried on with it because that's how people are. Obedience to authority, self-interest, and all the rest of it. You understand? Anyway, they make you change a tire while caring for a child. How can you do that safely? To yourself, the child, or the car. Anyway, the assessments were ludicrous. Kier says, a lot of the staff said if we found ourselves in their situation, we'd fail. It was a totally unrealistic false environment. Incredibly, though, the mothers would often succeed against all odds. They were so desperate to pass, Kier recalls quietly. Well, she and her colleagues had to watch the parents around the clock. Kier claims Dr. Hibbert was rarely at the house to see for himself, in other words. This is a system you live in, folks. And it's like Fabianism, it creeps up slowly, slowly, slowly. And the next thing you know, they're making policies affect everyone's lives. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about this racket, this incredible cancer that grows when you allow government services, or services really, they become so affiliated with government, kind of by super glue or something, or lots of bribes, or it's just an agenda, to be honest with you, and how this grabbed children all over the place. But there's one of the listeners actually in trouble, because tomorrow she goes to court, and here's a bit of her story here, and she said I can use her name because she wants people, if possible, who know about this, to phone her and maybe email her with any advice or even turn up at the court or even send off letters or faxes or emails to the court because it's on tomorrow, this thing. But it says that the mother, this child, is Katerina Jaleva, and her ex-husband is Brett Bayer. And it says the case number is 1065414, and it says uh, Brett Bayer versus Katerina Jaleva. Well, says Katerina's son was originally taken through a protective order in November 2011, filed by her ex-husband. Her ex-husband didn't show up for the hearing, so her son came home because they'd taken the son away, right? So the son came home because it had, the husband, by the way, went bankrupt and he's, he's got various problems. It says the guardian ad litem, Amber Ruder, and is, well, she's called Amber Ruder, but a, a guardian ad litem is uh, basically in Utah, Utah, Mormon country. It says uh, it's a person who is appointed by the court, general lawyer, uh, who who acts almost like a, not even an investigator, prosecutor in a sense. Anyway, Amber Ruder was appointed by the state to represent her minor, minor child. Ruder helped Katharina's ex-husband get another protective order signed by a judge to last five months. So the police came to the house the day after the first hearing and literally plucked Katharina's son from her arms. Two detectives and also the DCFS, Department of Children and Family Services, investigated the alleged child abuse. Detectives Leonard and Detectives Ellsworth, um, Ellsworth totally supported Katarina. The DCFS investigator Carly Eccles, who's also a really good uh, woman, a specialist in sexual abuse for the special sex abuse unit, is a very smart lady. 
did her investigation and wrote a great report in Katerina's favour, saying that allegations were fabricated and there's no evidence of child abuse whatsoever, and closed the case again as falsely accused. The reports were public record, but they were dismissed as hearsay, and Katerina was not allowed to use them in court as evidence at the first hearing. And now back to the GEL, the Guardian-appointed lawyer, Amber Ruder, uh, the Guardian ad litem, testified against Katerina and convinced the judge that she abused her son. She perjured herself in court on the record by saying so. Katerina appealed and had the detectives and the DCF's uh, expert witness on child abuse defend her at the second hearing. So that's not hearsay anymore. G.A.L. Amber Ruder again represented Katerina's son testifying that she was a child abuser, that Katerina was. Regardless, the second judge wrote a court order saying that even though Katrina can't directly contact her son, Amber Ruder, the guardian ad litem, must in no uncertain terms. Now, here's the judge telling the children's aid appointee, uh, this lawyer, Amber Ruder, the guardian, must, uh, the, the guardian that the state appoints, must in no uncertain terms make a recommendation along with a therapist as to how often and when Katrina should start meeting her son. He actually says we've got to get his family together. Again, to his credit, the judge said we must put the family back together. Amber Ruder made no such recommendation. She's in fear to the judge, right? This Amber Ruder. In fact, Katerina has had an email from Amber Ruder saying, I cannot and will not do this for you. So she was going against the judge's orders, this woman who was the court-appointed lawyer. The court also said that anyone who fails to comply with it is in contempt and will be held liable. Katerina has so far complied with that court order. Amber told Katerina recently that since she hasn't seen her son for so long, he might not be coming home, as the judge advised on April the 17th, because it might be too traumatic for him. Well, you understand, uh, this ruder isn't allowing Katerina to see the son. Part of the condition is you're allowed to see the son, and when she phones up for an appointment, Miss Ruder here, you know, who's a high and mighty chutzpah, as far as she's concerned, is saying, well, you can't see him just so she can get her way when this case comes up tomorrow. So Amber told Katerina that since she hadn't seen her son for so long, he might not be coming home as a judge advised on April 17th because it might be too traumatic for him. On Tuesday, May the 1st, Katerina must represent herself in court because there's been a filing to terminate her parental rights altogether. When they go after you, they just don't give up, these little, even when the judges order them to. You understand? And it says anyone who wants to talk to Katerina can contact her at 1-801-489-7446. That's 1-801-489-7446. Or by email, which is katia underscore 830 at hotmail.com. Katia, K-A-T-I-A underscore 830 at hotmail.com. They can contact Amber Ruder. This is the one who's got it in for them, of course, who doesn't obey a judge's orders. Or the new judge, who's called Mary Noonan. And um, this is uh, the G.L. Ruder's info. This is the one who's uh, not going to take the judge's recommendations and wants a child anyway. Amber M. Ruder, guardian ad litem, attorney, 4th District, 32 West Centre Street, Suite 205, Provo, Utah. Now, I'll, I'll put this up tonight on the webpage for those who want to send in and get some port to get this child back to its rightful mother. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about the court systems to do with families and so on and the massive power they wield in children's services too, which is, seems to think they're even higher than the judges when it comes to cases. They just feel rather uh, put out, you see, when their own petty authority is overruled by judges and they don't want to go along with it. And they have spiteful attitudes too, of course. So I'll put up tonight, as I say, the details of where to email and, uh, and, and Katerina's phone number again and her email address so that people can at least bombard the court that's going to be held tomorrow morning with support for Katerina so she can get her child back. It's quite, quite the setup when you understand the whole case. It's quite the setup indeed. Where even the experts say this child was coached and put up with it because he didn't understand the terms that he was using, even in relation to body parts or anything else. It's well coached, but it's unfortunately not well enough. Now, there's a war going on, you understand. There's a war. We're being dumbed down like crazy through inoculations and through the, the poisoned foods. Never mind the terrible education you get, you get at the bottom level. And we all get the terrible education. And of course, except for those who go to Ivy League, and that's where the real education of the dominant minority is given. It's passed on to those who will be future CEOs and rulers and, and who laugh in your face, of course, at the little petty people below. And that really is how it is. It's that simple. It's been like for an awful long time. But um, one of the ways that they're bringing us down, of course, is this. Uh, it's incredible. The screeds and screeds and screeds of stuff on autism I've got here over, over the many years is about a mile high. And it says, and I keep coming up with the same things, of course, and vaccines. And it's always, oh, no, 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 because the CDC is all part of this. And infant monkeys are given standard doses of the vaccines that children got to develop to develop autism symptoms. Did a, a test, a really proper test in a whole bit. And it says, Atlanta, it says, findings released today show that infant monkeys given vaccines are officially recommended by the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics exhibited autism-like symptoms. So the monkeys got exactly what the children are getting. Lead investigator Laura Hewitson of the University of Pittsburgh and colleagues presented study results at the International Meeting for Autism Research in London. Safety studies of medicines are typically conducted in monkeys prior to use in humans, yet such basic research on the current childhood vaccination regimen has never before been done. This is what we're told. This is what they tell you. Of course they've done it. They know what it does. It's meant to do this, you understand. They don't want a bright, intelligent, well-informed and somebody with elegant speech to come out at this time and tell the public what's going on. They don't want you conversing except in, you know, minispeak. It's a minimal speak. Or you can't even put a sentence together a lot of times, the way it's going now. The abstracts presented at the IMFAR, IMFAR, the world's top autism science conference, describe biological changes and altered behavior in vaccinated macaques, I guess that's the monkey's type, that are similar to those observed in children with autism. Unvaccinated animals showed no such adverse outcomes. 
It's all naturally. It's the same old tests over and over. The ones that didn't get vaccination were normal. The ones given the vaccines were those recommended for U.S. infants. So they got all the, the infant shots that they were giving them through all through the 1990s, including several with the mercury preservative thimerosal and the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. Rates of autism spectrum disorder among children born in the 1990s surged dramatically from 1 in 5,000 to 1 in 150 children. That's what it is now. Oh, we don't know what's causing it. Any, any flat foot detective could figure this one out in no time at all. What's changed in society? And you go through what's changed. What's been put into their systems that wasn't there before? Oh, gee whiz, all these vaccinations. Research underscores the critical need for more investigations into immunizations, mercury, and the alterations seen in autistic children, said Lynn Redwood, director of Safe Minds. Safe Minds calls for large-scale, unbiased studies that look at autism, medical conditions, and the effects of vaccines given as a regimen. The group's request for research echoes that of Dr. Bernadine Healy, former NIH director, in a CBS interview earlier this week. She asserted that public health officials have been too quick to dismiss an autism vaccine connection when the research has been insufficient. Now, this isn't just Big Pharma, who certainly has got incredible 10-year contracts at a time for all these vaccines by the governments. Certainly, it's very lucrative. But it's also to dumb you all down. There's no doubt about it. It's been going on for way, way too long. Way too long. Understand? And, and, and it's skyrocketing. So it's obviously meant to be. Anyway, it says, the government recently conceded a federal vaccine court case which agreed that a child regressed into autism as a result of nine, nine vaccines given in on one day. Remember that one last week I mentioned that the one top specialist says, oh, we can give them 10,000 vaccinations in a day. It wouldn't harm them. Oh, God, hey. The full implications of this primate study await publication of the research in a scientific journal, noted Teresa Rangham, president of Safe Minds, but we can say that it demonstrates how the CDC evaded the responsibility to investigate vaccine safety questions. Vaccine safety oversight should be removed from the CDC and given to an independent agency. And that's only one of the ever-ongoing studies that show what's causing it, but nope, they're never going to admit it. They're going to, it's an agenda, you understand. When they don't admit something, it's an agenda. It's an agenda. This one is amazing too. I don't know if you've known about time and motions studies. There's different names for them in different countries, but they bring in the experts, you see, to observe you, just like the, the observed that the parents try to change a tire with their baby in their arms, with the other creep, you know. Breastfeeding isn't free. Study reveals hidden costs associated with the practice. Well, this is, this is quite amazing because he's got the same name, I think, as the, as the judge is hearing this case tomorrow, Daniel Fowler. I don't know if there's any, any connection to the American Sociological Association. Might be. Anyway, this is what she's on about. Uh, on Mary Noonan. It says, pediatricians and other breastfeeding advocates often encourage new mothers to breastfeed their babies for at least six months. Uh, of their infants' lives, based on the purported health benefits to both mothers and children. Many breastfeeding proponents also argue that breastfeeding has financial advantages over formula feeding. Breastfeeding is free, they say, but according to a new study, they're always doing studies, all these experts, say, eh? all these experts, the notion that there's no cost associated with breastfeeding for the recommended amount of time is patently untrue. Now, here's where they go. This is breastfeeding for six months or longer 
is uh, only free if a mother's time is worthy or is worth absolutely nothing, says Mary C. Noonan. That's the name of the judge. An associate professor of sociology at the University of Iowa and co-author of the study, is breastfeeding truly cost-free? And what the whole study should do with your income, income consequences of breastfeeding for women, which appears in the April issue of the American Sociological Review. It relies on a, on a nationally representative sample of 1,313 first-time mothers in the U.S. who were in their 20s or 30s when they gave birth between 1980 and It's to do with how soon they can get to work and, and how much money they lose if they're not at work. In other words, it's a push for not breastfeeding your children. That's really what the whole thing is. And teach your, your um, basically your plastics, children's food that they put out for them with all, all the, uh, the the byproducts of the petroleum industry that's in it, actually. And that is a fact. They do put that in it and manage to get labelled as uh, protein. So anyway, it's, it's about the cost uh, and to get mothers to, to hurry up with breastfeeding and get back to work. That's really what it's about. Experts again, experts again, eh? That's what your function is, a good producer and consumer and taxpayer. You can't be doing all that, you see, if you're having children, eh? Good God, this can't leave anybody alone, can they? And they won't. And they won't until you stand up and say, get off my back. Get off my back. So anyway, so it's a cost-effective study, basically, on how much how much you lose and pay, etc., if you stay at home and breastfeed your child the way you're supposed to for the recommended amount of time. Quite something. Now, Everyone's heard about the Google Drive. I don't know if you've heard of Google Drive. It says, Google on Tuesday unveiled what it affectionately referred to as its Loch Ness Monster of Products, a long-rumored cloud-based file storage service called simply Google Drive. But now Google is having trouble keeping its monster under control as a number of web users have raised privacy issues with the new product. Well, there's nothing that Google's ever going to do that isn't part of the NSA, folks. It has been since its inception and Facebook, and all the rest of them. And they give you front characters out there. Oh, he's really a genius. put a little child there that's stuck in a lollipop out there. That's how they, they, they present them to the world. These are, these are massive teams that put together these things, not one single little character. Anyway, specifically, web users and tech writers have expressed misgivings about the terms of service for Google Drive and all of its other web products, which seem to allow the company to access and manipulate information uploaded by users to the cloud-based hard drive for any purpose Google deems fit. See, it's all theirs once it's up there. The key passage of Google's terms of service that's caused many to think twice about taking Google Drive for test drives reads as follows. When you upload or otherwise submit content to your services, you give Google, you give Google and those we work with, that's all the third parties or four parties, a worldwide license to use, host, store, reproduce, modify, create derivative works such as those resulting from translations, adaptations and other changes we make so that your content works better with our services. They can alter everything and grab it as well and use it and hand it out to others. Communicate, publish, publicly perform, publicly display, and distribute such content. So they can give it to whoever they wish. Google prefaces this by stating that it would assume ownership of your content. So it assumes, it won't, sorry, it won't assume ownership of your content. You retain ownership of any intellectual property rights that you hold in that content. In short, what belongs to you stays yours. And by stating that it will only use the information uploaded to Google Drive and other products, 
for the limited purpose of operating, promoting, and improving our services and to develop new ones, etc. So it's just uh, another con for the, the... And folk will use it because you can't stop them. Uh, you can't stop them. Even if they're getting brain tumors with their phones, it doesn't bother them. And the fact they all know they're being watched, tracked, and traced, that doesn't bother most of them anyway. Because it's a whole generation being trained to go through all the security at airports and, and schools even, trained every day at school, going through all the metal detectors. So they, they got, they've got quite used to having no uh, privacy or freedom, a limited freedom if you play the game. That's how you're taught. You play the game like a good animal and we'll give you a treat. And we won't bother you too much, but everything you do is going to be known by us, the big boys at the top. And this other one is about Malthusianism, because Malthus, of course, was the guy who came out initially and oh, did all his charts and graphs. He had flow charts way back then, you know. It seems to impress people more than any facts. And, but uh, he said that, of course, that the people were going to starve to death uh, eventually, meaning that all the, the elite people, that's what they're worried about. The elite would starve to death because too many of the peasants at the bottom would be giving birth to children and eating all their food, you see. Which, of course, the peasants grew themselves. But uh, it says here that, um, so in the last week of April 2012, via the likes of Professor Paul Ehrlich and the Royal Society and the Guard newspaper, the Malthusian collectivist fascist elites began to show their true anti-free human common purpose, the end of national economic freedom and sovereignty, decimation of population numbers to a fraction of present levels, and a strict draconian control of those who remain. And it's true, you understand, these people have given themselves, uh, they're, they're self-appointed, you understand, working for big foundations, the guys who want to control the world, uh, to give them more laws and regulations to, to come at you, sterilize you too, by the way. They'll give you an IQ test and say, oh, well, you know, well, you passed the IQ test, but, you know, we've noticed that the, your great-grandfather had a, an awful allergy to hay fever, uh, so snip, snip, and that's you. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding, folks. You don't vote any of these big foundations in. They're all owned together by the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, Ford, Carnegie, and all the rest of them across the world. Set up with the, the express purpose of bringing us all to the state we're at now. Anyway, says, this is not about saving the planet, it's about saving globalist elites, the plutocracy via a new world order, the pseudo-green science being used as an excuse for all this has been shown up for the Malthusian sham that it is. It says, the very week that such Malthusian Dr. Strangelove announcements are lauded by a captive world media, one of the best websites exposing the real genocide agenda of green elites in their own twisted words, suddenly it disappears from many web browsers without trace. Anyway, we've got the link here to see what they actually said. I'll put this, all these links up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com tonight, remember. It says, the real population bomb is a population kept dumb and fooled into participating in its own cull and imprisonment. There's no genuine overpopulation problem, and there's no reason for global shortage of food or food-producing capacity. For your own sake and for the future of your children, wise up to the bigger picture of the horrendous elite Malthusian scam study. All the following essential informations before you uptake any more pseudoscience-based propaganda and a collectivist slave media that is anything but a guardian of your best interests. So I'll put this up with a whole bunch of links on it. And you can see how the Royal Society, which is just a front organization for the elites, by the way, always was, 
I went through that last week, as I say. Uh, to join that at that time, you had to, like men more than women, in fact, they're all society. Uh, and uh, you had to give up your wife and family and put them to side and never see them again if you joined it. That was the law for many, many, many years. Francis Bacon joined it. He did, and he did that. He put his family away. Men only for a long, long time. They also called themselves the underground stream. You see, because they were the ones who had all the knowledge. And, and uh, one day they, the scientists, would rule the world. I'm not kidding. They have this in their old, old document, uh, documents and stuff. Quite something else. Yep. And um, and it goes on and on like that too. Now, another thing that's happening too, I don't know if people realize, there's an awful lot of uh, flotsam, it's called, from the tsunami from Japan, only now coming up on the, the west coast of Canada and the States. Uh, a motorcycle came up. It was an, actually a, a moving van, uh, one of these cubicle cube moving vans, washed up in B.C., and it was a Japanese um, registration on it, too. But it says there's one and a half million tons of flotsam believed to be headed to Canada. That's just to Canada, not just the States. There's more to the States as well. And it's all gradually making up. A, a ship came across the, 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 the Pacific, too. I think it was about maybe not too big, maybe 150-footer Japanese fishing boat. Uh, turned up too, nobody on it. And, uh, lots, but then there's one and a half million tons, uh, going to hit Canada, and it's hit in Canada now, in fact, and the southern, in the States as well. I'll put this story up, and, uh, you can see what's coming up on the beaches. And of course, they say there's no reason to worry about radiation, etc., etc. Well, they said that when we initially got exposed to it all. We're still getting exposed to it all, by the way. And it's all gone quiet again. All going quiet again. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And just before I go to the caller, I'll put up a link too to do with Canada's banks. Canada was quiet and of course they lied during the, the bank crisis. It's all oh, banks are in great shape. Well, here's years later they tell us the truth. That's how it works in Canada. It says $114 billion were given out to the banks, the Canadian banks, in bailouts. So it takes a few years to you know, filter down through all the bureaucrats to the newspapers. But we'll go to Jay from Ohio who's on the line. Are there, Jay? How you doing? Not bad at all. Yeah. Okay. I um uh, I was reading um uh I'm almost done with uh polarology book. Yes. And one of the things that he talks about and I'm really interested in is the paralogisms and the paramoralism. So I looked up what um, more about para, para, paralogisms and I got directed mm-hmm. to sophism. Yeah. which goes back to the Greeks, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. And it was saying that sophism is um, an, a fallacious argument, but it can be unintentional or it can be intentional. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, society and what we're being given 
through the media and literature is a lot of sophism mm -hmm. um, arguments yeah. that are meant to deceive. And it's just like, you know, it, it, it brings home a lot of things that you say on the air and also going back to the, the couple of religion discs I bought to you. Like, that's, you know, incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Truly incredible. You know, it is. It, it truly is. You understand that there's only a couple of uh, companies give us all our news. And in actual fact, I believe it's one. I believe that the two of them are really one now. Uh, you got Reuters and AP here. And uh, that gives the whole world that they're news in all languages for, for across the whole planet. And we know that Reuters was owned by the Rothschilds. They set it up. Started a long time ago to standardize information. We know that the, the Council on Foreign Relations, all their boys in the big foundations, Ford and, and, and Carnegie, etc., back in the, the 30s, did studies on newspapers across America to decide how many they would have to own outright to standardize public opinion. And they came down to about only 30, I think they said at the time, 30 main ones would be, be all they would have to, to own. But now they own them all. And, and all your television as well. So everything, literally, is, is completely a, a fake reality they give us. It's dumbed down. It really is herd mentality stuff they give us. And um, and very little truth is ever involved. Understand the whole point of government today is is to deceive the people. It's not there to be open to the public. It never was for hundreds of years, by the way. But it, it definitely has a better way of dealing with the public now who still think they're getting real news that affects them. So... We are run, and it's true, and it's an expert system we're living in. We're in a bubble, and outside of all are the experts that give us this reality. That was also shown in various sci-fi movies, um, with with a THX movie, remember, uh, a long time ago, by a guy obviously in the know who made it, and um, uh, they showed you all these observers watching everybody on cameras, and, and even having the cops taser them all the time. That was back in the 60s. See, what's happening today was planned an awful long time ago. And even right down to giving them pills and different drugs to keep them in a fairly stable, all the workers in a stable frame of mind, bring them in for treatments if they were kind of unstable, and, and discuss them like animals in, in, in the lab. And people have to see that movie. But thanks for calling. Now remember too, I'll put up that link tonight on Katerina Jaleva to do with her court case tomorrow and bombard... Uh, the, that place with uh, emails and give her support and see what happens. You can also call her too. I'll put her, her number up if you have any advice on how to handle this. Back with more after. Oh, sorry, that's the end of it. From here, you shall see Canada's good night. May your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>